0: Welcome to the Constant Source Podcast, where we are reimagining family discipleship. Hello, I'm your host, Ken Kuhn, and in this week's episode, we are talking about God's presence. But before we jump in, let's just take a moment to thank those who make this podcast possible. A quick thanks to those who are supporting us on Patreon and those who subscribe each week to Constant Source Weekly. Thank you for partnering with us as we reimagine family discipleship. All right, as we jump into this week's topic on presence, we are going to be pulling from four different scripture readings. The first and our main scripture reading for this week will be Psalm 113. Our further readings will include Ezekiel 22, 1 Timothy 2, and Luke 16. All right, Psalm 113. Receive now the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time on and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is seated on high? Who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Throughout our readings this week, we see that God is an active participant in our lives. Psalm 113 is a short yet powerful reminder of the closeness of God. In Ezekiel, we are reminded that God is at work in our lives crafting us into something beautiful. First Timothy points out the unique and wondrous role that Jesus played as a mentor and mediator between who God is and what God is about and the human situation. And our text from Luke encourages us to focus our attention on the important things that God is doing in our lives. But before we get to any of that, Psalm 113 sets the stage by helping us understand the vast distance that God has crossed to play a central role in our lives through the closeness of the Trinity. Psalm 113 opens with praise for God's greatness, which is illustrated in verses 2-4. through Verse 2 speaks to the timelessness of God and the truth that God has been and will always be. Verse 3 reminds us that God created the galaxy, and therefore, God's reach is much further than we can imagine. Verse 4 closes out this triplet of praise with a recognition of God's transcendence through the metaphor of height. As God exists outside the bounds of our understanding of physical space, The best description that the psalmist can give is to describe the height from which God oversees all things. Starting in verse 5, the psalmist reminds us of God's authority. As the creator of all things, the one true God is the most powerful being and can quite literally do whatever God desires yet quite differently than other false gods worshipped by ancient pagan religions Our God is interested and invested in the well-being of creation. In fact, as we see throughout the big picture story of God, the intent behind creation was relationship with humanity. The Bible tells the story of the way humanity pushed against that which it was created for, yet has always been and will always be pursued by God. Little did the psalmist know, When they were writing this, that the climax of God's pursuit would be to literally come down from the high seat, noted in verse 5, and as is alluded to in verses 2 through 4, to participate incarnationally with humanity in the personhood of Jesus Christ. What is so wonderful about Psalm 113 is that verses 7 through 9 proclaim the work of God, which is then lived out in the life of Christ. We know that all people were made in the image of God, and one of the key parts about Jesus' ministry was reminding the world that all people are created equally, and they are equally loved by God. Therefore, this truth should influence the way that we, as followers of God, see and interact with others. In the Gospels, John the Baptist talks about the work of Jesus. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see this salvation of God. That's Luke 3, 4 through 6. The truth laid out in Psalm 113 is that God has always been about loving humanity and seeking justice for all of them. It's in this way that God has drawn close to each of us in every age of the world and invited us to participate in and proclaim the beauty of humanity, which is that we were created equally in God's image. To this end, God came down to be present and to set an example of what a life devoted to God looks like and what it means to respond to the transformation that God wants to do in our lives. Notice. The words the psalmist uses to describe God's actions in verse 5 through 9. The Lord raises, gives, and lifts. These are the actions of an up-close and personal, present God. God is with us and at work in our lives. This is the good news that the psalmist is praising. This is a core truth behind the hope that people have found in Christianity for the last 2,000 years. God's presence and interest in our very lives must be considered and held in tension with the highs and the lows of our day-to-day. We must create space to acknowledge God in praise, and we must keep an eye out for the way that the Lord is working. As we will see in our other readings for the week, when it comes to transformation, we are in good hands, because God came to earth to literally do the work. The question is, who or what has our attention? And... Will we choose to focus in on the present and participatory work of transformation that God has for us? Okay, in light of God's presence, take some time to reflect on the vastness of God. Then, like the psalmist, praise God for the ways that God is still deeply interested and committed to the well-being of each person, especially you. How have you felt God's presence in your life? And finally, how is God working in your life regarding the topic of justice? What are some of your convictions or reservations? Ask God to meet you in the midst of them and help you to know how to lean into God's kingdom work. As you go about connecting with your family regarding God's presence and the work in which we are all called, pray this prayer with your kids. Lord God, hold us close today. As we walk in your presence, shape our actions and mold our thoughts to be in line with the work that you are doing all around us. Help us to love others well, be present in each moment, and focus our attention on the things for which you have created us. We love you, God. Amen. Take a minute to share a story or two about the ways that you have witnessed God's presence in your life and in the lives of those around you. Also, ask your children in what ways they too have experienced God's presence. You might be surprised at what they have to offer. Finally, wonder together. As you have taken time to reflect on the vastness of God, do the same with your kids. Wonder together and be inspired by how great God is and how little we are as you talk about how important we are to God. Finally, as you go about your week and your work, just as God is present with us, so too are we called to be present with others. So the question is, how can you practice presence in your spheres of influence this week? Okay, our next reading comes from Ezekiel 22. This is verses 17 through 22. The word of the Lord came to me. Mortal, the house of Israel has become dross to me, all of them, silver, bronze, tin, iron, and lead. In the smelter they have become dross. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have all become dross, I will gather you into the midst of Jerusalem." as one gathers silver, bronze, iron, lead, and tin into a smelter, to blow the fire upon them in order to melt them. So I will gather you in my anger and in my wrath, and I will put you in and melt you. I will gather you and blow upon you with the fire of my wrath, and you shall be melted within it. As silver is melted in a smelter, so you shall be melted in it, and you shall know that I, the Lord, have poured out my wrath upon you. Okay, so taken at face value, this passage from Ezekiel can easily be misinterpreted as an act of destruction against the Israelite people at the hand of God. With words like waste and wrath, it is quite clear that the Lord is using the voice of Ezekiel to speak out against the sinful actions of Israel, and this shouldn't be overlooked. However, this idea of smelting down the waste isn't a trope that is unique to Ezekiel. In fact, the smelter's fire is a very common image throughout the old testament and is even alluded to in the new testament the main idea behind this metaphor is that something impure goes in to the fire and something beautiful and pure comes out on the other side in the same vein job twenty-three ten reads but god knows the way that i take when god has tested me i shall come out like gold In light of our theme of presence, Ezekiel reminds us that no matter how far we stray into sin, God is always present with us and is willing to take us as we are, refine our imperfections, and fashion us into something beautiful, which is only possible through the presence and attention of the original creator. Take a moment to reflect on the transformative power of the Holy Spirit and ask God to continue to refine your life. Our next reading comes from 1 Timothy 2. These are verses 1 through 7. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone for kings and all who are in high positions so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth for there is one God. There is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. For this, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. This passage from Timothy is an echo of the hope found in Psalm 113. There are two key pieces of this passage that we want to pay extra attention to. The first is in verse one, where Paul mentions that all people should be included in acts of prayer intercession, and supplication. God's grace, care, and presence, as we talked about earlier, is available to everyone, enemy or friend, believer or non-believer. As Christians, we are called to pray for all other people with a need for it. Second, in verse five, Paul reminds us that Jesus was our mediator, the one who made it possible for us to be in right relationship with God once again. The bridge that Christ formed through his divine yet fully human life was a tangible illustration of God's presence with creation. This act, God taking on the pain, suffering, and vulnerability of the human experience, is at the core of our theology and the key example of what it looks like to sacrificially live into our Christian call. Take a moment to reflect on a current point of pain or frustration in your life. Then ask God, who suffered in similar ways, to bring you peace and healing. Our final passage today is from Luke 16, verses 1 through 13. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to him, What will I do? Now that my master is taking the position away from me, I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that, when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? He answered, A hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it fifty. Then he asked another, And how much do you owe? He replied, A hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and make it eighty. And his master commended the dishonest manager, because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone they may welcome you into the eternal homes whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much and whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much if then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth who will entrust to you the true riches and if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another who will give you what is your own no slave can serve two masters for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth." This provocative parable is best understood in light of its entire teaching context. The lecture, during which this parable is only one of many teachings, starts at least as far back as the beginning of Luke 15. The important thing to realize is that when taken out of context of the whole, this passage can very easily be misinterpreted to justify dishonest decision-making and even self-preservation. However, the key to unlocking the meaning behind this parable is found near the end of our passage when Jesus says, you cannot serve God and wealth. That's Luke 16, 13. What Jesus is doing here is critiquing some of the religious norms that linked wealth and worship. Jesus is saying these two things do not mix. In fact, they are two totally different concerns. Jesus isn't calling us all to poverty or rejecting sound financial decisions, but rather is saying that if we aren't careful, we can end up being ruled by the pursuit of wealth. It can easily become our master, and we can't possibly serve both God and wealth. Therefore, Jesus is calling the Pharisees, but truly all of us who call ourselves followers of Christ, To refocus our attention on that which is worthy of our pursuit, which is relationship with God and participating in the kingdom and God's work. In light of our other readings, Luke 16 reminds us that God is at work all around us and that we can't serve more than one master. The truth is that every day we are given a choice as to what we will pursue. It's up to us to choose wisely. Take a moment to reflect on the ways that you have used your time in the last couple of days. What does your schedule show that you are pursuing? Thank you for taking the time to check out Constant Source Podcast this week. If you'd like to start receiving our weekly digital devotional, you can find a link in the show notes. If you want to learn more about who Constant Source is and what we're up to, check us out at theconstantsource.com. If you like what you're hearing here and you want to weigh in on some of the theological topics that we talk about and you want to support the work of the show, check us out at patreon.com slash constantsource. Lastly, we are on social media. On Twitter, we are at constant underscore source. On Instagram, we're at constant source. And on Facebook, we are at facebook.com backslash constant source. May your family be blessed. Have a great week.